Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broaden our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Jason. Hey, everyone. And just Jason still for now. Yes. We continue our Halloween horror odyssey through extreme horror. Yes, indeed. And this is our listener episode. We plucked one from our suggestions we received throughout uh, the setup for this and that brought us to Rob Jabba's The Sadness from 2021. I believe this came from Abe over at the Brett and Tony with Ash and Abe podcast. I believe, I believe so. So thank you for this, man. And this is probably a movie that a lot of people may have already seen since it is newer. It's on Shutter. It's easy to get at now. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you haven't watched it yet, go ahead and watch it real quick. Mm-hmm. And then come back and listen to us. And see where we all stack up on it. Yeah. And but, then write us and tell, tell us what you thought about it. But first, we're going to do all our <laughs> usual setup and stuff. Um, I still don't have a shout-out. Again, I think we set it up last time. We're, all, we're on the crunch to get all these done in time. Yes. Uh, it happens. It happens. So, Jason, what have you been watching? Um, well, in keeping with the extreme theme, I watched a movie called Hate Crime. Oh, okay. That, from 2012. That sounds extreme. Yeah, that's a little extreme, I guess. Um, the synopsis of this is... A Jewish family that just arrived in a new neighborhood are recording their youngest son's birthday celebrations on video when their home is suddenly invaded by a bunch of crystal meth crazed neo-Nazi lunatics. Whoa, that escalated. <laughs> it did indeed. I was about to say, oh, so it's just a home invasion film. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it is still, but... Nazis. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, Man, don't you just hate that? <laughs> I hate when that happens. Fucking Nazis. <laughs> well... <laughs> I mean, it seems like more likely a thing that's going to happen these days for some reason. Unfortunately. <clears throat> anyway, the movie itself, it's directed by James Colin Bresick, who also co-wrote it. Mm. Um, it is very low budget. It's found footage. Oh, I, I didn't expect that. Yeah. But yeah, I guess they're filming the they're party. Filming it, yeah. Cool. So it makes sense. And then, of course, when they come in, they're like, oh, a camera, we're going to record all of our shenanigans. Mm. Um, so that the reason for filming is good. Uh, that always helps. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's one of those things that like, yeah, on paper, it's really offensive and oh my God, you know, but (laughs) heavy, heavy premise, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And and on the surface, sure. You're watching it and you're like, yeah, this is bad, but it's just, it's, it's a little too amateurish Mm. to really be effective. I think, I think done with more skill, it could have been a little bit more affecting, but you know, it. You know, you got amateur actors and amateur effects, and eh. it's, it doesn't have a punch. You know, it lacks that. You could tell a lot of the. I think a lot of the dialogue was improvised, mm. especially by the Nazi goons, because they keep saying the same thing over and over. <laughs> um, and it's just like it's like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, look how hardcore this is. Look how rough this is, mm. and it's like, dude. Well, I was just about to ask, is it kind of trying to ride on the shock vector? Yeah. I think so. That may also be true of our movie today. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, so I cannot recommend Hate Crime. It is short. It's like where, where did you watch it? Um, Tubi. Oh. Tubi, man. Coming in clutch. Yeah, Tubi's great. Um, you so know, it, they have a great found footage lineup, too. They do. They really do. I, I found this movie from that documentary on about found footage. Oh, okay. Which is on, I want to say Shudder? I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Um, anyway. Yeah, can't really recommend it, but eh, you could do worse. 
<laughs> How about you, Dustin? Okay, so um, I was still reeling after Mermaid in the Manhole. Uh-huh. Uh, I needed more Japanese horror. Of course you did. Uh, but I drifted away from extreme horror, so... There is a horror film series in Japan, and it sadly has no wider release outside of Japan. Mm-hmm. So these are kind of hard to get at. But they've all been, like, fan-subbed or, like... I guess they've been at festivals, and it was subbed for the festival, and then that leaks, that's leaked online. Mm-hmm. So this is a crazy, like, nine-film running horror series from Japan that desperately needs some Western releases, and I thought I would mention it and talk about it. Yeah. Um, and it's called The Werewolf Game. Oh, yes. I, I have ranted this about before. this extensively to you and Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I've really mentioned it too much on the podcast. But I heard it doesn't have any werewolves, so what the fuck? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some, some uncultured swine that may not know about the werewolf game might suggest that it's supposed to be a werewolf movie, but that is not the case. I want to see werewolves playing, you know, baseball um, or something. So the one I checked out is the most recent from 2020, the werewolf game, Death Games Operator. So all these films are kind of the same with just a little bit of a twist, and they all center on the game Werewolf, mm-hmm. which you may also know perhaps as Mafia. Uh, it's the very simple, like, I should call it more of a party game than a board game, yeah. but... You get a bunch of people, you secretly assign them roles. Most of them are villagers. A few of them are werewolves. Uh, there is a night phase where the werewolves meet in secret and they decide to kill a villager. And then there's a day phase where the villagers then debate and discuss what's going on and vote to kill one person, trying to guess out who the werewolves are. Yeah. Classic game. A lot like Secret Hitler, too. Yeah. There's plenty of games that have derived off of this idea. Mm-hmm. And so the whole premise of this film series is sort of part of that like death game subgenre, which is another whole thing I love. Um, every film is the same thing. Some high school kids get abducted. They get placed in an abandoned school. Usually they have like bomb collars <laughs> or abandoned schools in Japan or they shock collars. Or th- there's always some contrivance where they can't leave the school. Uh-huh. And they are given roles and they're forced to play the werewolf game, except the werewolves have to actually kill a victim. And when they do their voting, whoever gets voted for, they then get killed. That's fun. In like a gruesome manner. Cool. Uh, in the early ones, it's pretty low budget, so they'll have these like collars on, and all the all that happens is the collar like tightens and chokes them out and kills them. Hmm. So it was easy, like very low budget, very low special effects. That's it's still effective though. Yes, because uh, a lot of it more is like the premise and like the the social interactions of like who each person is and their personality and how they try to play the game and interact. And you get those like desperate moments where someone gets accused and they're trying to like defend themselves and plead their case as the clock is counting you down. Mm -hmm. Very melodramatic, but very fun too. And each sequel has kind of tried to innovate on this. So like you had the original and it was pretty straightforward and then the next one was called, I think uh, like the werewolf side and it showed you one where it was from the perspective of one of the werewolf players. Whereas in the first one, it was like the mystery of who they are. Hmm. And as it's gone, just like the real game, there's all these like special roles you can have that like modify the game. Like uh, one person can be the bodyguard and they have the ability. They can pick someone to protect. And if the werewolves try to kill the one that's protected, it cancels the kill. And then there's like a prophet that can check to see when someone died what their role was. And over the films, they start to mix all those in and make it more and more complicated, uh, which they've done so many times that they need a new twist for this new one. And so there's not a lot of continuity. Like there's some overall themes, but each one is always like a new cast. Hmm. 
Um, but one of the reoccurring themes that's come up is like, why is this happening, of course? And they set up this whole thing where it's like ran by this shady organization. And it's this whole like, basically a gambling thing where like the rich, wealthy elite will pay to watch these games and then bet on the outcome and who survives. And it's all all secret, shady, the 1% exploiting yeah. the people. Fucking rich people. <laughs> and so they've had that set up for a while. So Death Games Operator is from the perspective of one of the operators that's been hired to run the game. Mm. And so you get to see like one of the games play out, but it's kind of from behind the scenes of the people that are administering it mm. and making sure everything goes on track. Um, but our lead in this, when they meet the cast of high schoolers that have been abducted, he notices that one of the girls there was this girl that he used to tutor in high school. Mm. I guess he's like slightly older, so he like graduated out and she's still in high school. Um, and he had like a huge crush on her, you know, really cared a lot about her. And he has this crisis of conscience, and he's like, shit, uh, she's going to die. She almost immediately becomes the one that they kind of just like target and get out of there. Mm. Um, as other people are trying to save themselves and they want to like bully one person out. And so he starts to try to skirt the rules and the lines of things to slip her hints and do anything he can to try to give her an edge to save herself so she can be the one that can survive. But he has to contend with the actual game itself playing out and trying to do all of this under the guise of still administering everything with his coworkers. Okay. So it's like another game of tension in this game of tension. It's a pretty cool concept. Super fun concept. Uh, I hope they keep making more of these. And these aren't readily available. No, they're not. Mm -hmm. You you can go on the old open seas and find them. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, I think if they just did like a box set of these yeah. for like wide release, man, I would buy it like three or four times. Okay, so it's got to be a subgenre, right? And you probably know what it is, but like it is. The, the whole high school thing. Because mm-hmm. so many horror Japanese horror films is set around high school and, oh, yeah, well, and that's just... interpersonal uh, relationships and all that stuff. Is that a subgenre? Is there a name for this? The high school focus, I mean, it just would you just call it like high school horror? I mean, we have that over here too. Sure, but it's so specific because um, it's about. It's always, it always seems to be about secret crushes and obsessions and things like that. I think that's just a cultural thing. There's a lot of Japanese yeah, media that focuses bullying, on like the, yeah. your life during high school. and It's so kind of that... pressure and stuff. The, the pressure, and then it's the last time you kind of have some autonomy before you're kind of into the workforce mm. and just doing whatever. Okay. Um, but, but the subgenre for this is like Death Game, is what I call it. Yeah. Um, which saw kind of borders on that, but there's, there's plenty of numerous examples mm-hmm. in Japan. Battle Royale, mm-hmm. even, probably the most famous. Okay, cool. Excellent. Yeah. Maybe someday we can see it legally. <clears throat> All right, today we are wrapping up our series. All about extreme horror by talking about the sadness from 2021. Extreme Directed horror. by Rob Jabaz. This is a Taiwanese Yeah, I don't think we've done film. a Taiwanese film yet, have we? No. Uh, we'll I just, just realized that every film we've done has been foreign. Nothing the oh, USA. Yeah. True. This month. Huh. Go us. Interesting. Maybe next. Maybe the next extreme block will do, we'll concentrate on America. Yeah. Maybe we can get one of those American guinea pig films. In <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Um... Which, let's just get this out of the way. Taiwan is a country. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is a country. Leave it alone. Yeah. And Hong Kong needs to be one, too. What do y'all think about that? Put us on the list. Yeah. We don't care. Um, so this is a, I guess you would call it like a gore film, a splatter film. 
that's hooked around kind of an pandemic-y outbreak sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, it centers on this uh, young couple, and they're trying to reunite amidst the city getting ravaged by these infected, bloodthirsty humans. Yes. And Not the most original concept. Before we go any further, too, uh, we mentioned this last time. I mentioned it at the top of the very first episode of this whole set, but uh, trigger warning on this film. Yeah. It does get into a lot of sexual violence. Mm-hmm. If that's not your thing, it's cool, man. Yeah, Skip we're this not film. judging you. Um, but we will inevitably, in the course of discussing the film, discuss <laughs> that. So They might be judging us for talking about it. Um, judge away. We won't judge you. Yeah, um, we don't care. Do what's comfortable for you. Yeah, damn right. So, I now I had mentioned seeing this before mm-hmm. on one of our What We've Been Watching preambles. And I think I've already brought this up, that it's very much like that comic Crossed. Mm-hmm. That's uh, listed as an inspiration. I wonder how true that is. Um, and then we should say that's by Garth Ennis, which if you know comics at all, he's a yes. very popular creator. Yes. And it's all about a plague where people are infected and they begin killing each other and raping each other. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they attack normies, just like the people you know in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um. It's very similar. Very similar concept. But also you could say it's similar to The Crazies. Or 28 Days Later. 28 Days Later. <laughs> so not, not exactly a new concept by any means. And I think, before we even walk through the plot, this is my first problem We're with already dissing it. Is... <laughs> and I don't hate this movie. I have good things to say about this movie. I'm glad you're here. Um, <laughs> the whole... I'm just going to say zombie. It's a zombie film to me. Eh, it's not a zombie film. Eh. You could say that, but it's not a zombie film. They're not fucking dead. They're just infected. Whatever. It's split, an infected split film. Split the difference. Mm. Um, it's, it's a virus film. I'm so fatigued of these. Oh, yeah. I'm completely over them. And it's very hard for a new film to win me win me over, win my uh, affection at all. Yeah. I'm so sick of zombie movies. Uh, the last ones I've cared about have been like One Cut of the Dead, which was brilliant. That. And then before that, like Train to Basan. Which that one even almost borderlines on it, but I think the like emotional angle that it takes. Yeah, Train of Sun managed to tell a good story, and mm-hmm. like you say, you had an emotional weight to it. And One Cut of the Dead. If you have not seen One Cut of the Dead, please watch it. Yes, it you is, need to see it. It is so good, and we can't... No matter how dead you think zombie films are to you, and you're just over it, and you never want to see another one, Yeah, you will walk away from it with a smile on your face. Yep. You'll be very content. And this should be the last one made for a good 20 years yeah. until we return to the genre. I agree wholeheartedly, 100%. It's a mic drop of a movie. <laughs> <clears throat> but we're not talking about One Cut of the Dead today. <laughs> we're talking about the sadness. And I am sad about that fact. <laughs> Is that why they call it the sadness? <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about that too. The official synopsis tries to rope in the title. Uh huh. So blah blah blah. It says a lot of the stuff that you said, but then at the end it says, "The age of civility and order is no more. There is only the sadness." Whatever. Yeah. But but this is about anger, and this isn't about sadness. You know, I mean, it's not a bunch of people getting infected and becoming emos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't really get that connection. I really don't. Yeah. Um, so it, should be, it should be called The Anger. <laughs> the Rage. That is a movie already. Yes, it is. All right, so the movie opens up with a credit sequence of some kind of cool-looking germs floating around. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Whoa, that was that was a new level for you of mic hitting. I hit the spring. Okay, um, yeah, but it does, and it, it's 
almost like bad CGI, but it's not. It works. It's effective. It, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. And it looks a lot like the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Which I guess we should get that out of the way. This is very, very pointedly. Yeah. Kind of meant to. This is a pandemic movie. Be a pandemic film. Yeah. Um, um, I don't think it says a lot about the pandemic, contrary to what people are saying. I think it's just kind of using that as a backdrop. They're superficial. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. Yes. Uh, so we meet the protagonist, Jim and Cat. Jim, played by Barant Zhu and Cat by Regina Lee. Lay. Regina Lee. Stone Cold Fox. Woo! <laughs> Love her in this film. Yeah. Um, and they're both good. They're mm-hmm. both very good in the movie. Oh, Jim's very attractive too, I should yeah, say. Sure, sure he is. Um, and they have an immediate argument about how Jim... They have planning a vacation, and Jim says he has to work. Okay, what is Jim's job? I want to ask that. Isn't he like a videographer? Is he? That's my impression. He, <laughs> he, he keeps talking about shooting something. Uh-huh. So he's either like a director or a videographer. But we see no real evidence of any of that. See, I wonder if he might have been like an actor or an extra or something. And or that, that, uh, maybe. Although I had a feeling he was more on the technical aspect. Mm. Um, that could have been a good angle into a found footage. If he's a videographer, he's like, oh, I, yeah. I'm going to win the, you know... Just like George Romero's Diary of the Dead. Oh, God. Underrated, I say. Uh, that's a conversation <laughs> from the other day. So, anyway, while Cat is off getting mad at him, he's watching this YouTube video about the Alvin virus. Yes. Some new strain of virus that's the medical com- community is worried about. And it's very corona-y in that like, the public doesn't really understand what it is. The government is kind of iffy on how they should handle it, whether they should lock down completely or just let it ride out. Yeah, and there's some talking head implying that it's fake due to mm-hmm. there being an election year coming um, up. But there's some scientists that are concerned um, because they think it has a high potential to mutate. Yes. And we get a little thrown in about how some of the stuff that's in it is similar to rabies. Yes. It's called the Alvin virus, and there's no news about the Simon or Theodore virus mm-hmm. yet. But I'm sure those are in the pipeline. Those are the sequels. Yeah, that's going to be the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stealth uh, chipmunks horror film. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Okay, so... Which we never get a reason why it's called the Alvin virus, do we? I don't think no, so. no, it's just, just the name. Alvin. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so then Jim sees an old woman. She's like standing in her gown on a roof a couple of buildings away. Mm-hmm. She looks... You know, distraught, just kind yeah. of standing there. Maybe she has dementia or something. But Jim's like, hey, are you all right? She turns around, she's like covered in blood. There's blood all over the front of her gown. That's weird. And Jim, like you do, just kind of... Well, cat, <laughs> cat, cat comes out or something. Yeah. And he's like, what? And he looks away, and he looks back, and the woman's gone. Mm. This whole intro reminded me of the Dawn of the Dead remake. The mm-hmm. whole, like, suburbia life yeah. kind of thing. yeah. That was a good opening. That's that a good that opening. opening carries the entire movie. Yeah, I'm mixed on that film, but I, the opening's oh, it's great. Stone Cold yeah, Stellar, man. Just so good. Um, right, so then Mr. Lin comes out. He's a neighbor, and they're on the back porch. And uh, he's got sniffles. He's got a coat or something. But he thinks the pandemic is a hoax. Yep. So he shares his opinions. <laughs> which, he, um, he eagerly shares his opinions. As, as many people did during the pandemic, and still do. <laughs> so they're riding together on his scooter, going yep. to work, 
And they pass this bloody scene, and there's like a man being restrained by the police, and there's like a car crash. Oh, before we go into this too, the, uh-huh. the, the dynamic of the relationship is interesting because he has this like ephemeral job, whatever it is, we can't define it. <laughs> I'm going to say videographer. Uh, something film related, let's yeah. just go with that. Um, and so his work's not stable, he doesn't have a steady income, he's kind of, when he can find a job, he can take a job kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kat works at office. She's like clearly just... Yeah. Your standard, like, 9 to 5, clock in, clock out, office worker. Yeah, Jim is obviously out of his league here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, right. so they see this uh, incident in the street. Mm-hmm. And it's your typical outbreak film, like, unnerving early moments. Yeah, you get weird Beat. shit happening, you know, people acting strange, whatever. Mm-hmm. So then Jim drops her off and he goes to a restaurant. And he's waiting for his order. And that woman he saw before wanders in. And one of the patrons approaches her, asks if she's okay. And I do like how people are actually helpful in this movie. Yeah. That's something. You know, because in America, they'd be like, look at that crazy bitch. And they would just be filming (laughs) her and putting it on, you know, live streaming. Put it on my TikTok. Yeah. But here, they're actually concerned. You know, he even Mm -hmm. calls her granny, you know. It's a cultural thing. Americans don't give a shit about the elderly. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Uh, she replies by spitting a big gob of something in his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she grabs the fry basket and pours it all over the dude working there all over his head. Starts clawing and, and pulling off the Peeling skin. Peeling off his face. As it boils. Uh, I will be talking about the gore a lot in this movie because this is a gore film. It's maybe the best part. I, I think that's the only reason this movie exists is for the gore. Um... Which, you know, cool. I like a good gore movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so then all shit starts, you know, breaking loose in here. The dude she spit the gob in the face of, he starts stabbing his friend. Mm-hmm. You know, immediately. Uh, the woman kind of walks after Jim, who's backing out of the restaurant. She immediately gets hit by a car. And then everyone around him is apparently already infected, and they start chasing them. And, and rightfully, Jim kind of scrambles to get back to his apartment. Yes. And he gets back to his apartment on the TV. It's all just that emergency channel thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, wait for further information. Yeah, except for one channel that's playing cartoons. Oh, which I had a note about this. It's the director's. He, yeah, he's yeah. an animator. Yeah, he, this was a short he made in 2015. Did so. you notice what the wolf in the short was doing? No. At one point, he is um, having sex with the characters, the cartoon characters. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. When they do like a far shot of it, you can see it in the background. I didn't pay that close attention. I think they're pigs. He's like like the three little pigs or whatever. And mm-hmm. he's yeah, having his way with them. Just circle back for that. Yeah. A little foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm wondering what kind of cartoons this dude made. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. So he uh, he's kind of watching the TV, whatever. And his neighbor creeps up behind him. He's infected. And it's a pretty cool scene. He's got the garden shears. Yeah, because he was gardening yeah. when they first met him. Right. And Jim's like, raises his hand so his fingers are in between the blades. And he's trying to keep it from going into his throat. So the guy just, you know, shink, and his fingers go flying off. Which I do applaud them for this decision because it's pretty ballsy to have your seemingly the lead. Yeah, lose his fingers. Lose some fingers like that right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the dude says, don't worry, he'll finger his girlfriend for him. <laughs> uh, Jim clocks him with a toaster and runs out. Yeah, I wanted to set up once we get this, like, part of the, uh, I guess, traits of these infected 
they have their full mental faculties still. Mm-hmm. They can still speak and form thoughts and ideas. Yes. Um, they're just completely focused on like depravity at this point. Yeah. Right. Um, they either want to kill it or fuck it, yep. basically. Pretty much both. Or, or maybe both. Same time. Yeah, one yeah. after the other. Whatever. Exactly. So they definitely are not zombies. Which um, <laughs> I watched. So this premiered at a bunch of places, but one of them, I think it was maybe the the North American premiere was at Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not 100% on that, but I know it was a big splash there. Um, and they did a whole like director Q&A thing after it screened. Mm-hmm. Um, and he answered a lot of questions. And when he was talking about inspirations, one of the films he mentioned was Return of the Living Dead. Okay. And so he said um, the way that those undead could still like speak and articulate. Oh, and run and everything and think. Um, yeah. That always really struck him, and he wanted to try to like thread that sum into his film. That's cool. I could appreciate that. So I do love me some Return of the Living Dead. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so he runs out of his apartment, and there's a scene where this dude gets his arm broken by these infected people. Yeah, it's a pretty gnarly scene, too, because yeah. like, they're holding him down. Yeah, he's like on the steps, mm-hmm. and they just step on it. and uh, He drives off, and then we catch up with Kat. Yep, she gets on. Damn it! Jeez, calm down, Jason. Hey, Michael, can you fix that for me? Take that out. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in. <laughs> um, yeah, she gets on the subway. And she's immediately getting harassed by a pervy business guy. Mm-hmm. Played by Zhu Cheng Wang. And he's also good in this role. He's having a lot of fun, you could tell. Yeah, he's having it up. Good. He's menacing. Yeah, he's okay. Uh, whatever. Okay. Um, so he's being a creep. Yeah. She's reading a book. She obviously wants to be left alone. Tells him as much. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where, and I think this is intentional, you're not supposed to know if he's infected yet or if he's just creeping on her. I got the impression he wasn't infected. Mm-hmm. But once he is infected, all that just Amps comes up. rushing out. Yeah. Um, we get a cool-looking guy with sunglasses that boards the subway. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. And cool. he whips out a knife and starts stabbing people. Yep, just goes to town on this dude. Now, I do like this scene. I like the stabbing scenes here because it's very effective. It's... Mm-hmm. It's like realistic looking. You know, there's not exaggerated sound effects. I guess it's realistic until there's the uber blood spray. Yeah, I was going to bring they, that up. They, they, they ruin it. It goes for like 10 minutes. He hits the dude in the neck and it's <laughs> like it's not even like an arterial spray. Mm-hmm. It's like literally someone took a garden hose, turned yeah. it on full and sprayed it up under the subway roof. It made me think of the really ultra violent like samurai films. Yeah. Where like he would like One cut. Wolf and Cub yeah, or you, something. Yeah, you would cut the guy and he would just spray <laughs> yeah. and spray and spray and spray. Um, and that's one of the weird things to me with this film, like the, the tonal shifts of like, it wants to be very serious and it wants to be very like grim, but then it's hyper real, but then it gets like really hyper real and almost comedic at times. Right. Yeah. It's definitely, there's a tone issue with this movie, I think. Um, and we get more of a sense of the infected now too. And this is the thing I want to talk about that. I, I, again, I have a lot of problems with this film. So, um, they do the like Uber grin smile thing a lot. Yeah, but it's not like CG augmented or anything. It's not CGI augmented, but it reminded me of those things like Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. Yeah, and that new movie Smile, yeah. which seems to be the exact same thing as Truth or Dare. I think they... Does someone, is there someone who finds that creepy? Is that, <laughs> does that really scare somebody? Well, see, I know like... Um, what the fuck? I love Junji Ito, and he does some good drawings of like the exaggerated face, smiling, grin kind of thing. Sure. But doing that in an artistic form and then doing that in real life is like... Yeah. You can't parse that. Anyways, I didn't like that look at all, and I get it. I wasn't a fan of it here. That's fine. 
But at least it's not exaggerated. You know, yeah. it's just, it's not like CG crap going on. And that's something else I'll say in the movie's favor. Yeah. A lot of practical effects. Yeah, not a lot of CG. And what is CG is pretty pretty well blended in. Yeah. So I kudos for that. And the effects are good. There is some great gore in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So Pervy Businessman, and I'm pretty sure that perving is his business, and business is good. Cat <laughs> uh, had given her seat up to another woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Molly. Molly. We find Played her name Played by is. Ying Ru Chen. Yeah, and Pervy Business Dude just slams his umbrella right into her eyeball, the tip of it. And that's pretty gnarly. That was a pretty gnarly scene. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> I mean, I, eyeball trauma. You know, it's a whole Lucio <laughs> Fucci thing. Um, it. it just didn't, you know, dwell on it the way like a Fulci. Oh, yeah, that agonizing mm-hmm. one minute of the sharp object yeah. getting closer and closer. <laughs> um... Yeah, so he's infected. He's crazy. He starts killing people. Uh, the whole see. train kind of just becomes a bloodbath. Yeah, the whole train does. Uh, and then Cat rock- and Molly get off. <laughs> yeah, it rocks up at a station. Yeah, they get off and they run. And they come across this big beefy dude uh, who sees the pervy businessman coming. And he's like, hey, you hurt these, these women. What's up with you? Which, again, is kind of what you were talking about. The people actually being friendly. Yeah, actually helping. Because imagine if this was a New York subway. <laughs> right. <laughs> get out of my way, you... Bloody women. Um, so a fight ensues, which the beefy guy immediately loses because he gets his nose bit off. Yeah. Not really expecting someone to go that hard. And yeah. Then right. It's hard to deal with. Uh, so the girls run off. Oh, and the pervy guy grabs an axe, which he'll use throughout the rest of the movie pretty much. Which Tiffany watched this with me, and she kind of mentioned that when they ran by, she was like, oh, they should break that and get whatever's inside. Yeah. Even if it's just the extinguisher, they could hit him with it. And then the next scene is the, next, the dude yeah. breaking it and getting yeah. the fire axe. I mean, I could see them not thinking rationally, though. Oh, yeah. You know. um, so let's see what happens here. Oh, yeah. They, they're nearing the end of this uh, like hallway to get outside um, into the street. But like this security guard or whatever he is sees him coming and he just starts lowering the gate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they manage to get through. And uh, I like how Molly just punches the guard dude, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a piece of shit. It's weird, too, because, like, at first I think they want you to think he's infected, and that's why he closes the gate, and it's like a fake-out. Mm-hmm. He's just a coward. Yeah, he's just a coward. Yeah. Um, He, he actually says that anyone could be infected, so why take chances? Mm-hmm. You know? he, he claims that he was ordered to close the shutter, too. Yeah. Uh, from behind it, though, the businessman does shout and say that he's going to come for them. Yes. Indeed. So I... We never, we're never, we're not shown a lot of things in this film that happen, and we don't see how he gets out of this. But he gets out of it surprisingly fast. Yes. Eh. Oh. Well. Um. So we get the gym. He's trying to get the cat, but the uh, the tunnel through the mountains is blocked mm-hmm. by a pile up. So he has to go around, take the long way. And, He's trying uh, to text her, trying to message her, but in the chaos on the train, she lost her phone. Yes. Right. Important. Important note. So he can't get a hold of her. So he's like mending his hand up, doing what he can. He tapes it. And then he finds a sickle laying in the grass. There's like forms or something around. <laughs> so he's got a weapon. Like you do. Out, you do. Yeah, old, good old outbreak film. Yeah. And he comes across some youths in baseball uniforms torturing a tied up man. And they're like wrapping barbed wire around a, barbed wire around a pole. And they're like picking up and running his groin into it. 
So he attacks them and they run off. <laughs> it is funny though when the tied up dude asks him why he stopped because yeah. he was about to. Uh, well, how does he put it? Get his load off yeah. or something like that. <laughs> Which <laughs> let's put a pin in this scene because I want to come back to it later. Okay. I have an issue with the scene with later context. Okay, gotcha. So just keep it keep it in the back of your mind. I have done so. Uh, the youths return and they're like throwing baseballs and whatnot, mm-hmm. and Jim rides off. Then we see Cat and Molly get to the um, hospital. Yeah, the security guard escorts them to the nearest hospital where they're kind of holing people up. Yeah. Um, they are having problems though. What they they say they had to shut down like one section of the hospital. Yes. And Molly's like giving her heartfelt thanks to Cat, and the security guard, the coward dude, says that she's being a drama queen. This guy's mm-hmm. a real piece of shit. Um, so Molly goes off to get treatment. Cat borrows the uh, coward security guard's phone, which of course has hentai as a screensaver. <laughs> I mean, I don't like what this implies. <laughs> <laughs> at least it wasn't anything too explicit mm. <laughs> unlike yours <laughs> <laughs> that's true um so she eventually gets a hold of Jim. i do like their exchange though because she gets it and then she opens up line which is like a popular asian uh messaging app yeah and she's logging into her account, and the security guard's like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, well, I don't remember his phone number. Yeah, who remembers numbers anymore? <laughs> we, we just, like, talk and call through line. Yeah, my wife's number is the only one I have memorized. That's it. I don't know <laughs> numbers at all. I don't even know my number. People ask for it for, like, things. And really I'm like, don't uh, know your own number? No. Huh. Yeah. Wow, that is bad. Um, what are phone numbers? <laughs> So, yeah, we get a news broadcast from, like, the government officials. Mm-hmm. Importantly, Chinese government officials. <laughs> and they do the usual posturing and assurances that everything's going to be fine. Yep. Some general gets up there and talks about how there's been, like, 4.5 million people infected. And then it's obvious that he is infected. And he attacks the president of China. <laughs> takes out a hand grenade, puts it in his mouth, and his head explodes. <laughs> yeah. That that's some subtle commentary, but I do appreciate. I mean, that's it's not subtle. It's a little goofy. It's goofy, but it's also kind of like you know, fuck you, China. Yeah, he, I mean, he just attacked him and mauled him and tore him apart or something. But yeah, but still, you know, I appreciate the the sentiment. Uh, <laughs> okay, it's a pretty good head explosion too. Yeah, it's a good effects. <laughs> uh. Okay, so then what happens? Oh, yeah, pervy business dude shows up. He does. He continues his pursuit. He's outside the glass doors. He breaks in with the axe, um, cuts the security guard in the back. Him and a bunch of other infected people come rushing in. Um, and it all goes, all goes crazy again. All goes crazy. Uh, uh, the coward security guard dude's hiding under a gurney while the pervy business dude finds Molly. She's like in a wheelchair, obviously sedated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of half in and out of consciousness. And he decides to um, have sex with her eye hole. Yep. <laughs> Isn't it weird that we did a Serbian film yeah. first? Yeah. And it had um, some skull fucking. Sure did. And then here we are again. But it was more explicit in the Serbian film. Yes. And I wanted to talk about that. Okay. This film kind of rides on being extreme. That's why we're covering it here in the extreme horror section of yes. our little thing we're doing. Yes. And I was surprised to find that it's not quite as extreme as I thought. 
it does shy away from showing certain things. Yes. Um, and I pulled this quote. This is from Rue Morgue, the, mm. the well-known and beloved uh, horror magazine. They called this film the most depraved zombie film ever made. Okay, fuck that. Like, who? No, it's not. It can't be. There's no, no. way. I mean, semantics aside, I it's mean, not I get a zombie it, film. I mean, I get it. You want to, <laughs> well, set that aside. I get that you want to hype a movie up, but like. Sure. But it's, it's, it's not obviously real. not, no. Can you think of a more, well, first of all, depraved, what exactly does that mean? Can you think of a more... Well, I mean, Fulci, for starters, just yeah. right there. I agree. I think Fulci, like, zombie, has so many more visceral scenes that sticks with you. Um. And so, where was it? Let me find it. I got it in my notes. Um. It's about this scene. Oh, yeah, so... um. During all this craziness in the outbreak, and this happens during um, the scene we're talking about now with Molly, mm-hmm. the security guard guy is creeping around a bit because he's trying to get away. And when he creeps back into the lobby, he sees like kind of the fallout of the first infected people getting in there. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird kind of like bloody orgy that's going on. Yeah, there's like four people all covered in blood having mm-hmm. sex. Yes. Um, put a pin in that too. I want to come back to that. Right. But so there's, there's that, and there's a lot of implied like rape that's going on in this thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of it where like you'll see the start of it, but then it cuts away, and then this incident with Molly, um, and he talked about this in that Q and A at Fantasia, um, where he was saying like you know oh he wanted to have these like extreme moments and this really heavy stuff, um, but some things he wanted to have the camera cut away from, because he had this thought that um. Okay, yeah, okay, I found it. Um, he felt like um, you had to at least like keep the audience with you and win them over. And that there were certain things that if you like stepped over that line, you would lose the general audience. Possibly. And they would turn against the film. And I think that is like ultra-contradictory for the type of film this is trying to present itself as. I think that's more clearly an issue of... of getting the proper rating for the film. Because mm-hmm. I bet if he showed things that even a Serbian film showed, it never would have... I don't know what the ratings are like in Taiwan, mm-hmm. but I imagine they're probably a lot more conservative than a lot of places. So... I think it... To me, it came across as disingenuous. And I hate to be rude and say that, but... I get that. You can't think you're making this big extreme film and then be too shy to show shit, mm-hmm. you know? And say, like, well, we still have to, like, make sure I win everyone over. Yeah. Um, part of these films, I think, and the ones we've all explored this block, like, uh, transgressive, I think is a word you would apply to all of them. Mm-hmm. They they push the limits. They push those buttons. And the whole time I was watching this one, I felt like it was trying to, like, cut the cake right down the middle. It wants to be this extreme, heavy film. But it doesn't want to make anyone too mad. Right. It doesn't want to offend does, too it does, far. It doesn't want to be too confrontational or mm-hmm. anything. Which, I mean, I get it. If you want your film released to actual theaters, you're, you can't show everything. You know, you can't be mm-hmm. that explicit. Well, that's where you say, what was your vision? When you right. If, if it's truly your artistic intent, you will show what you want to show. And fuck the ratings. Which, you bring, know? which brings me to my next thing. And this, mm-hmm. again, is out of that q and I'll probably just link that in the show notes. Um, it's a decent watch, okay. I think. Um, the inception for this film 
Uh, there was one specific producer that he worked with a lot. I think it was David Barker. He's the main producer on this. Um, the pandemic kicked up, and then all this news got to going about like how Hollywood was basically shutting down. And they were basically kind of already working together. And he's just like, hey, man, we just need to make a movie. We need to make a movie. What's going to sell? What's going to be the thing that will like grab people? Mm-hmm. And then they kind of just you know, concepted this film. Mm-hmm. Dare I say to me that feels kind of shallow. Kind of mercenary. Yeah. Not a lot of artistic intent. Mm-hmm. No, I can see that argument. Well, let us continue. For let now. us continue. Okay. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Yes, he passes the people having sex, which wasn't at all titillating. I don't know why you even asked me that. God, you're so gross. <laughs> um, oh, uh, the part where uh, Molly, um, the, the security guard comes across Molly after she's been, you know, mm-hmm. ocularly violated. Which now she's infected. Yeah. It's kind of funny how her eye hole is suddenly a lot bigger. So uh, she's being rest- he, the scar's being restrained by those orgy people while Molly cuts them up with a saw, which they don't show a lot of. No. I, again, this is where it tries to cut it both ways. Yeah, and you just... they're like showing blood and like bits of bone and stuff flying up, but eh, it could like been... that was consistently a note I kept writing down in my like as Not I watched notes. Yeah. I, I kept saying like all the stuff that is the extreme things I expected to see based on how people described it. Oh sure, are the things that they cut away from and don't show you right. Right, but I mean, how many people, how many of those people who are reviewing the movie and talking about it, saying how extreme it is? I mean, how many extreme movies have they really seen? You know, uh-huh. that's the thing. If it's your first extreme film, you're going to be like, "Oh my god!" You know, you're going to be shocked. I guess, yeah. But you know, if you've seen a lot of stuff like that before already, you're so what you're saying, Jason. If I can put this into proper terms and we can have it as a quote, um, this is Baby's first extreme horror movie. <laughs> Um, uh, can I can I put you down on that, uh, Jason of genre exposure? N- no, that's your quote. <laughs> that's your quote. I'm not saying it's wrong, oh, okay. but don't don't attribute my name to it. I'll, I'll put my name on it. There you go. Uh, okay, let's see. So what happens then? Uh, we go back to Jim. And yeah, what's Jim doing? Um, he finally gets a hold of Cat, right? She calls him. Oh, yeah. She's running away. She's like going up the steps yep. and they talk to each other. She's like, I'm at the hospital. He's like, I'm coming. And the pervy business dude's after her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but notably on Jim's end, he kind of starts to cry and he's having these hallucinations. Oh, yeah. He sees like a mannequin's head in the pool mm-hmm. and suddenly it becomes a real head. Yeah. And it's like lapping up blood and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's supposed to suggest to us that he is infected. Right. It takes longer in some people apparently than others. Yep. What you gonna do? Because um, um, the rules of this are really... This is another thing I want to talk about. They're really ill-defined. And we never get the full rules of how it works, how it transfers. Right. Is it airborne? Is it fluids? Um, yeah. All the above. And even the stuff we do know, which we get a lot later here in a little bit, we're about to get into it, but the things we do know are contradicted throughout the film. Okay. Now, I will say, it's some, you don't need to know all the rules. It's okay to have unknowns. It's like the original Night of the Living Dead. We don't really know why the dead are rising. Right, but I think the difference is in that film, it's consistent. Right, the rules are established. Mm-hmm. Kill the brain, you kill the ghoul, all that stuff. Right. No, I get you. So Kat's running away. She bars the door, um, but the business dude gets through. Um, she goes into the off-limits area that they had shut down. Yes. 
Right. And he's, at this point, she grabs the fire extinguisher, sprays it in his face, and then she starts bashing his head in. And he says something about how she's just like him. Yep. Violent and depraved, even Which, though she's defending herself. And it's kind nothing of a, kind of a like pointless him. thing to say, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not at all like you, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, so the store opens, and this guy, this big PPE get up. Yeah, it's Dr. Alan Wong, played yeah. by Wei Hua Lan. He says, come in here. Come into this room. It's kind of a secure room. He's got a big heavy door. And then we get to our uh, Walking Dead 28 Days Later kind of moment where yeah. this is the super smart scientist that knows everything. Yes, he's trying to figure out... The cure. Yeah. Uh, for no apparent reason, he suspects that she might have an immunity that they can synthesize. Simply because she's not infected. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in the room, uh, the maternity area. Yeah, you see a bunch of empty cribs everywhere. And there's a part where she's like throwing something away and she hears like a baby... Mm-hmm. And there's a an undead, not undead, because they're not zombies. Infected. An infected baby in the trash. Ah, I got you doing it. <laughs> did. And he's talking about how he had to kill all of them. He, well, he the injected babies. them all to see what would happen to see if any of them were immune right, as right, an experiment. Right, because the people were going to come in and kill them anyway, was mm-hmm. his rationale. Okay, whatever. Uh, and he explains <laughs> a bunch of plot dump stuff like about the Alvin virus. He says that when it mutates... It connects the parts in the brain that govern sex with aggression. Mm-hmm. And um, he also doles out a thing. About, I think this might be where the title comes from, but it's real quick. It goes by. But he has a theory that um, you see a lot of the times the infected are crying, even as they're doing stuff. And he thinks this is because they're actually fully aware of the things they're doing, but can't stop themselves. And he compares it to trying to resist your urge to blink. Mm-hmm. So somewhere inside, they're sad because I, I think that is control. supposed to be the sadness, but it's, I mean, you're gonna miss it in a minute if you're not right, right on this. Yeah, and, and this, is, this is after he's already droned on for like. Yeah, this scene is poorly paced. It, it goes on a little too long. Um, the one interesting part though is he, um, where he doesn't trust her about being infected or not. He like handcuffs her to like a shower, mm-hmm. and then there's a whole thing where he's gonna have her like clean off and give her scrubs to wear. Mm-hmm. And they really linger on it and him like staring at her. Yeah. And it gets into that subtlety of like, you start to wonder, well, is he infected? Sure. Or is he just your average, no, an attractive woman. I'm going to sit here and leer. Um, I wanted more of that in this film, I think. More than ambiguity? Yeah. And it had some like depth and weight to it. Yeah. There's some ideas tossed out, but I mean, they're just that they're tossed out. But he says that there's going to be a helicopter on the roof. He's mm-hmm. going to take her up there. Hopefully she's immune and they're going to test her and take off and all that crap. And secretly she has kept a hold of the phone. Yes. Uh, and I did appreciate that. Oh, this. and he injects her. That's right. He yeah. injects her with the virus. He says pretty soon we're going to know if you're immune or not. Right, right. He says uh, if she turns, he'll kill her. If she's fine, like he theorizes, she's the key for the, uh, the antivirus. Yeah, baseless theory, but sure. <laughs> with no reason to think it would even be a thing. Um, so during their conversations, because on the sly, she like gets on the phone and starts texting Jim. Right. Um, I liked how she cracked into it because she kind of like angles the phone in the light. Yeah, to see the smudges of the fingerprints and um, stuff. Yeah, for his like unlock symbol. Yeah. I mean that you can really do that. That's pretty clever. Yeah, that was that was a cool part. Yeah, I like that. Um, but yeah, this is where we get a lot of back and forth of him like talking about the virus. And this is where I ran into issues. So one of the things he states as like a fact 
and I guess you could chalk this up to be this is just him. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, it feels like we're supposed to take this as like gospel truth. Um, but he talks about how like um, the the discretion between those who are infected and those who aren't, and he says that's why you'll never see any of the affected infected trying to sleep with other infected or rape them because part of it is having the like whatever it is it's driving them to want to experience like the fear right and the despair in people that they're like tormenting yes so if we cycle back now mm-hmm. to these earlier points uh, the orgy in the hospital room they were all infected they're all infected they're all having sex with each other, and they're all into it. And it seems pretty consensual sex, too. Yeah. Like, it's not particularly violent. Like, they're violent. just reveling in the aftermath. Yeah. Cycle back even further. Okay, the, the guy with the kids, mm-hmm. he's clearly infected, and that's why he was into it. Right. But then they were also infected, and they were just inflicting that on him. Yeah. So that's like a stark contrast to everything we've seen throughout the film. Yeah, you're not wrong. And um, you're right. It could just be him not being right. You know, he's just spouting off these theories that have no substance. But then again, if it is trying to establish rules, which again, is too late in the movie because it's almost over. <laughs> yes. It is contradictory. And that was my problem. Is like, it's either it's contradictory or we're supposed to think this guy is full of shit, but it's to no purpose. Yeah. It's kind of like the end of Psycho mm-hmm. when the psychologist is over explaining yeah. everything that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. They're trying to leave to get to the roof. One of the crazy infected dudes comes out and axes off the doctor's foot. Oh, which the doctor tries to fight back with his 3D printed gun. It's a 3D printed gun. Which they also waste many minutes on him talking about the fact that he made it. And saved bullets from his time in the service. Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming guns are hard to get in time on. But so that's why he had to 3D print it. But also, who the fuck cares? Yeah, at this point, who cares? Anyway, um, especially in America, man. If you don't have a gun, it's just. (laughs) Um. Anyway, so yeah, so he falls back. He's shooting at the people. Another infected dude comes up and throws up on his foot. His gun jams. His gun. Yeah, his gun jams. Jams. The dude throws up on his foot, which was grody. And that's another thing, like. Why does he throw up on his foot? I guess to infect him. But I know. How do, how do they infect them? That's the other thing. Right. I don't know, man, because it's gross. It's established. That's why he does it. They want to, like, harm or rape everything and cause despair in the people. Why intentionally infect them then? Yeah. Yes, and then, like, why through throwing up on them? It's just... That seems like it was just a toss-in. Probably. To be like, oh, that's kind of gross. But it was gross. Uh, he shoots that dude. There's more coming. No, oh, that's when Jim shows up. Yep. Yeah. And he's approaching him and he's infected, yep. which we knew Jim was going to be infected. He's like, is this your new boyfriend? Blah, 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 blah. He advances on the doctor. The doctor gets a shot off, grazes his neck, uh, Jim's yep. neck. But then the next shot, his gun explodes. <laughs> and Jim comes up and takes him out. And meanwhile, Cat got the key and managed to open the access thing to the roof. Right, and there's this gate that she shuts behind her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they get this final scene where they kind of talk out between the two of them, and they try to make you care about either one of them, except unfortunately, this whole film has barely characterized either of them. Right. And you, you just don't care. Yeah. And Jim's saying that he finally has a purpose to get to her. Mm-hmm. You know? 
because he wants to find her and cut her tits off and smash her face, he says. Mm-hmm. Um, so he turns around. He's dying. He's bleeding out. Yep. Cat goes up the steps. She opens, opens the, the door, door into white light. You hear the helicopter blades whirring. Jim dies, like smiling, and you hear gunshots, like automatic gunfire going off. The end. Yay. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's another day one of a pandemic outbreak horror film. Yeah. So I get the impression you didn't care very much for this movie. No, I really... Ooh. This one rubbed me all levels of wrong ways. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to vent about that? Your final thoughts? <laughs> or do you have any other trivia? You I've got some trivia here. Let's see. Okay. You know, I couldn't source this one, but I thought it was interesting, so I just threw it in here. Um... This is on IMDb. I found it a few other places, but I could never place it to, I guess, a credible source. Yeah. So this is a grain of salt. But sure. <laughs> uh, apparently it's kicking around that this film was funded through a mixture of cryptocurrency and revenue from a cam girl business that the producer owned. <laughs> I read that too, and I desperately wanted a footnote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't run it back. You know, I, yeah. I care a lot about research and having accurate information, but... Um, it's funny if true. That sounds like a better movie. <laughs> it does, actually, yeah. A movie about the making of the sadness. <laughs> the <laughs> cryptocurrency and the cam girl. Um, speaking of the pandemic, due to it being an active thing during shooting and other government regulations, they couldn't actually shoot in a real hospital or a real subway. You just were banned from doing that. Mm-hmm. So the actual subway and hospital we see were sets that they built from scratch in a studio lot. That's pretty good sets, especially I, the subway set. I actually think that's pretty great because it's very believable. Yeah. I would have never suspected otherwise without reading about that. Right. Um, they filmed it in 28 shooting days, mostly in Taipei and Keelung. There's one scene that got cut from the script before they started shooting. Uh, it was a scene in the hospital where an infected individual enters an operating room while someone's having brain surgery. And the infected kind of attacks the doctors and the nurses, and with the uh, patient kind of restrained and unable to do anything, mm-hmm. the infected defecates into the open wound. Mm. Uh, it was cut because the producers thought it was way too funny, and Jabaz has since made a gag that he's offering this up as public domain for anyone to steal and use it in their own movie. <laughs> um, which, again, says a lot to me about this film. And how the people were kind of just fucking around in my yeah. eyes. And I, I hate to say that, but that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. Um, that Q&A thing, I keep going back to that. Mm-hmm. There were two other things I thought was like kind of interesting we're talking about. Um, the presenter, which the presenter is like bonkers. He's like way, he's like on 11 and needs to turn it down. But <laughs> um, I appreciate his enthusiasm. Um, he kept bringing up Category 3 films as a comparison point. And actually, Jabaz kind of downplayed these similarities. Um, and he said, like, he can see where you would draw the connecting lines there. Uh, I think the Ebola syndrome comes up a lot yeah. in comparison. I can see that. Um, but he said he was actually wanting to do something different here. Because to him, a lot of those Cat 3 films have these sort of, like, out-of-place comedy segments. That to him would almost border on, like, Three Stooges-level antics. And to him, that was kind of like a little disrespectful to the more serious subject matter that would be in the film. That's a little pretentious. Um, Yes, I find this kind of weird considering that it seems like he mostly just made an extreme film for the shock value and the wow factor, and it itself has no bigger message. Right, because most of those scenes are funny. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's so over the top. And they're meant to kind of be your like release lever. Yeah. From the terrible parts. Right. There's t- to me, there's nothing disturbing about this movie. Um, also in that same Q and a, he said that he mostly when concepting the film and kind of coming up with everything, uh, he, his primary goal and thought was to what would be, would make a fun film and a tense film. And the presenter tried to get into like wanting to talk about the politics of this movie, mm-hmm. I guess in regards to like the pandemic and yeah. some of the stuff you pointed out as far as like with regards to China and there's the some, government. There's some attempts made and misogyny and all that. Um, yeah. And the director stated that for him, there wasn't much of an overt political message that he put in it intentionally Besides the idea that you've got a government that's failing to serve its people. And as far as like anything else people brought to the table, he compared it to having a situation where you've got a coloring book and you're bringing your own crayons and you're coloring it in the way that you see it. Okay. Which only further to me reinforces my feeling that this is like <laughs> a very hollow film in a lot of ways. Right. I, and I, I don't think it has a lot to say. I don't. Again, like you, like you said, like he said, you could read into it all you want. Mm-hmm. You could do that with any movie. And I, I don't think like some films they leave you the space to like make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like even if we go one film back to Mermaid in the Manhole, it leaves you the kernels yeah. to launch into a bunch of ideas. Well, any good movie is going to have some amount of subtext. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think there's anything. This here, is man. all. This, this is, is just, all text. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that's all my f- notes I have. I okay. guess we can go into final thoughts. Let's do it. Uh, I've been ranting for a bit, so let's start with you, Jason. Okay. Um. This movie doesn't insult me. It doesn't anger me like it seems to anger you. I think it's fun. You know, it, it's. I didn't regret watching it. I'm like, uh, you know, there was some good kills. It was gory. It's fun. It didn't disturb me. It didn't make me think. Um, I like the special effects. Basically, I think it's it's a good gore film. Okay. Um, I was gonna give it three stars, but you talked me down to two and a half. <laughs> I seem to have that effect on people. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think it's just fair. Mm-hmm. I think it's just. Well, if we, Deadly average. If we, yeah, if we do the math, that's average. Yeah. Perfect average. Right. Okay. And really the only thing worthwhile are, is the gore. Because there are some great practical effects, and I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything to say. I don't think it's profound. I don't think it's particularly disturbing. But, I mean, again, as I said, I, I like to watch violent movies. I like disturbing films. Mm-hmm. So people have different thresholds. So I'm not going to get mad at anyone for saying that they were disturbed or shocked by this or whatever, because maybe they haven't watched a lot of the crap I have, you know, and that's, that's fair. Um, I just don't get that reaction myself from it. Well, if you're watching along with us as we go, you've already seen a Serbian film, so I think you're already over the deep end. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right, right, yeah. But even something like Angst, which is nowhere near as gory as this mm. to me, I know you didn't care that much for it either. But to me, it's much more effective and much more... I would agree because in there, it's got disturbing ideas that linger with you. Right. Whereas this has like no ideas. Yeah, there's no substance. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so how about you? Okay, so um, where do we begin? <laughs> what did you think? Uh, I have a feeling you didn't like it. Yeah, I laid out a lot of this along the way, but I think this is just like one of the most by-the-numbers outbreak films I've seen. And it was painful to watch. And like even for Tiffany... 
she's very done with this outbreak oh, zombie God. thing too. I've been done since the fucking 2000. And so like she was calling every plot beat as it happened and then naming the other prominent film that it came from as each thing popped up. So it's uh, like it's the, it's the Dawn of the Dead remake. It's 28 days later. It's the crazies. It shivers. It's trained to Basan. There's not one original idea in the movie. And I guess my problem is it's okay to like be inspired by all of that and even pull stuff from it. But then you got to do something with it. Yeah. Even if it's not as good as any of those films. And that, that is really the problem here is that like everything it rests upon and like pulls on, it is like utterly in a completely lesser thing. Yeah. That's been like synthesized. It, it doesn't out put of a spin this. on it. It doesn't subvert any expectations. It's just. Um, I agree with you that the a lot of the gore gags are really well done, especially mm-hmm. on the effects front. Yeah. But to me, they're also very tonally inconsistent. So um, often we get this feel like it's going for this very realistic, very gritty, this is the way it is, it's mm-hmm. in your face, what can you do about it? And then we get these weird scenes, like in the subway, wherever it's like the samurai the fountain of blood, fountain of blood up, suddenly. Yeah. Or something really gnarly happens, but it cuts away, and then the next scene we get someone talking about it. Mm-hmm. And being like, oh, that was awful when that thing just happened. <laughs> um the infected, I hate their look of the grins and stuff. Um, it's not CGI, but it reminds me of that, and that pisses me off. <laughs> uh, the, to me, the characters are shallow. There's no real development to them. Um, nothing really happens between anyone. Um, and I think there's an inconsistency there, too, because sometimes they lay down these story beats that you think are going to be something, but then there's no payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, Kat and Molly very quickly kind of forge this bond with one another. Um, where she immediately takes up for her and tries to protect her Yeah. when all the chaos starts out. And it's this interesting dynamic where, like, I mean, we've already set up Kat's very gorgeous and seems to be this successful businesswoman. Mm-hmm. And Molly, we don't learn a lot about her, but she seems very shy, very reserved. Yeah. She's a little heavy set, a mm-hmm. little plain looking. Um, and so it seems like it's going to be this payoff of, like, we're between them, you know, together. Yeah. Uh, coming through this and persevering but then as soon as they get to the hospital they get separated and Kat never even sees Molly again yeah there's never a scene with them together um, like Molly infected confronting her yeah and yeah. you think that's gonna happen and that's gonna be a thing and it just never happens right she goes off on her own and then Molly has her last little moment there and we never see her see her again that's a good point um I think everything with this doctor character at the end, uh, <laughs> Dr. Wong is just super doctor exposition I hate to say it but that's so cringe bro like when you talk about making a good movie, you always say like you wanna you wanna show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. And this film, man, it's just he just expedition dumps <laughs> all through that whole scene, and then makes the very obvious villain turn that you already know is gonna happen. Right. Um, I think that uh, let's see what else. Um, it did have all this hype, right? It was supposed to, it going in. I thought it was gonna be this big film. Well, that the hype hurts it. Um. And it's not really this big film. It's really just, like like I said, it's the same day one like outbreak of a zombie-ish rage virus thing that you've seen a thousand times. And because that's all it is, and there's nothing with the characters going on, there's nothing else, it kind of just has to ride on being like a gore yeah. gore film. It's like Lucas George Lucas said, it's like a special effect for the story is a pretty boring thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, this was pre, the prequels. He said this. <laughs> but, and that's, that's what this is. This is like an effects reel, mm-hmm. you know? And I think for me, that's where the true problem is because, like, if all we can do is judge this as a gore film, it's not doing anything next level that we've not seen before. Yeah. Everything that is truly, truly shocking happens off camera. 
And again, like the director in interviews has defended this and said like, Oh, I didn't want to go too far. Um, you don't want to turn your audience against you. And I think that's like a, a fundamental like basis of extreme horror. That's like, you're missing out on with this. Like yeah. that, that is part of the, the appeal. If you're coming to watch this kind of film, you want to be pushed over that edge. If you're not challenging them, challenging them with visuals, what you're showing, you need to challenge them with ideas. Mm-hmm. And he's not doing that. And, and they've, they've said up front, which I, I can respect a little bit to say like, Hey, I just wanted to make a movie that sells and that people like, and that's fine. And that's fine. But I also think that in doing that, it's kind of made this ultra homogenized, just like very curated kind of experience that in the end is like lacking for that. Right. Um, I'm sorry I'm shitting on this movie so much, but I had a lot of thoughts. Uh, it's like yeah. you're shitting on someone's open brain in an operating room. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Alvin virus, again, they, they barely explain it. The things we do learn, the film contradicts constantly. So that's, that's also another dead end where it's like, you can't even be intrigued by like the concept. Like, and maybe that's the point because we heard so many contradictory things about the coronavirus and all but that. But it doesn't lean into that. It right. never implies that. Right. Like I said, there's, there's like ideas thrown out, but nothing followed up on. Like think about the first time you watched like Dawn of the Dead. And I remember coming out of that and it's like, I just thought about like, what if that was a thing that happened? Yeah. And you have all these rules and this is how it works. How would you survive? What how would you, you survive? What would you do? What choices would you make? Could yeah. you could you make that choice to like kill your loved one mm-hmm. when you know they're infected? Yes. Or would you sit there like in the film and struggle with that? Yeah. Um, those are big ideas and they sit and they, they weigh with you. And here you can't do any of that because everything is like a quarter something but not really. Yeah. And it always pulls back. And so the last thing I want to harp on, and I'm sorry for this, and uh, we can move on. Um, I think the sexual violence angle is a little awkward in this film mm-hmm. because we've got... You were so aroused by it. That's we've got the director, and I, I'm sorry, <laughs> my dude, to keep harping on you here, but in all these interviews, he keeps saying, like, you know, there's no bigger message in the film. I just wanted to make something fun. I just wanted to make a movie that would sell. I wanted to make a movie that would like people would enjoy, da-da-da-da. Um, and so if that's what it is, and then you've got all this like really pushed-in sexual violence in there... It feels weird to me, I think. To, to bring it up and not go all the way. To not go all the way, but then also there's no purpose behind it. And yeah. then you're sitting there saying, I just wanted to make a fun movie. I just wanted to make a crazy movie. I think that's a little tone deaf to lean in so much to the sexual violence. Right. Because let's let's go backwards to some of the films we've talked about in this block, like I Spit on Your Grave, or even stuff like we've covered, like The Nightingale. Mm-hmm. The rape and the sexual violence in these kind of movies... It is meant to shock you, but it's not there just for shock value, I think. And yeah. not, it's not just there to be like a fun thing to be like, oh, that it's, was so gnarly. It's not exploitation. They are building blocks to a point, and you have to have those even if they are harsh to build to that point. Mm-hmm. And here it's just kind of there with no direction or point other than so Rue Morgue can say it's the most depraved zombie film ever made. Yeah. And that pisses me off. Uh, one star. <laughs> <laughs> that pisses me off one star there's your quote there's your quote uh, this is Baby's first extreme horror film too by the way <laughs> well well uh, send me your hate mail I yeah can, I can take it sorry if you love this movie we just crapped all over it uh, if you do more power to you man I yeah like, I mean people have different opinions I like the sixth movies. puppet master movie that is just a rip off <laughs> of the film so there you go you know give him all the shit for that everybody's different Oh, what a wild ride. Yep. Well, this was fun. <laughs> sure I hope was. Uh, I hope you've had a happy Halloween. 
We got one more um, horror-themed episode dropping. We do. We're going to have a little Halloween special. Uh, I don't want to delve too much into yeah. it yet. We'll let it be a surprise. Uh, we'll, we'll be there with you on the 31st. Hell yeah. Having a good time. Um, drinks will be had. Drinks will be had. We'll, we'll have a little fun to close this out after all the uh, the seriousness and the the roller coaster of extreme horror. Yeah. However, that also means that as we go into November, we are starting a new block. Hmm. And it is my pick. Mm-hmm. And I do believe, unless anything changes, Michael will be rejoining us Yay. for this final block of the year to close things out. Um, and so I curated my choice based on the fact that we had just done extreme horror. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we've watched a lot of heavy films. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you do that, you need to kind of cleanse the palate a little bit with something a bit lighter. Mm-hmm. So I have selected for us to cover next musicals. Musicals. Uh, right. Which we have covered in the past. We've touched on with the 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. Mm-hmm. So we probably won't go a deep dive overview because there is one in that episode. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the lead up, if you've never listened to that one, you can circle back to get a little like whirlwind musical lay down yes. set up. Um, the first pick is Michael's. He's not here to dole that out. But I do believe he has selected for us Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yes. Which, based on my knowledge, I have never seen, but I know it is like one of his favorite films of all time. That was on my radar forever. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I never saw it. I just never got around to it. Wow. So I'm actually anxious to see it finally. Oh, so this is a double first-time watch. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. he'll be the expert. Yeah. Cool. He can do all the yammering. Nice. <laughs> I need a break after all of these. Especially after having to lead on Serbian films. <laughs> Nice. Well, listen, it's been super fun. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for chilling with us all month on this extreme horror extravaganza. We'll find something equally crazy next year to get into for Halloween. Heck yeah. Uh, Check us out on all your social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitters. Send us an email at genreexposure at gmail.com. Let us know what you've been watching. Let us know a cool Halloween film you've watched this month that you really dig. Something we should watch. Something we should watch. Uh, Send us your movie recommendations because we love doing those. After every block, we check out a film that you, the listener, suggest. Any genre. Any genre. We love it. Please no romantic comedies, though. <laughs> Send Jason a romantic comedy. Oh, God. Ow. It, it'll be fun. Uh, thanks, and as always, you've been listening to Genre Exposure. Bye, everyone. Take care. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening